0: Welcome back, everyone, to another segment of Rabbi Jeff Spirky Avashir, where we attempt to understand the meaning behind the instructions of our sages and how it's relevant to our lives today. We do this, of course, using the thoughts of our teachers before us and try to make them applicable to our times. Feel free, please, to contact me with any comments or questions at rjfromlj at aol.com. What's amazing is that we're actually um, Working towards the end of the first parak. We're on the last three Mishnayas of the of the first Parak, um, which is a, a pretty incredible accomplishment. Um, today's Mishnah is chapter one, Mishnah Yud Zayin, uh Mishnah Teslayan, Mishnah 16. Mishnah reads, and, and the reading of the Mishnah is actually important this morning. The Mishnah reads from Gamil Hayoimer. And Gamil used to say, "Aasekhorab, the Stalik Minosophi, Askhorab, make for yourself a teacher. His Stalik Minosophiic, avoid doubt, the Altarbe, lar amados, and don't make a habit out of tithing by guesswork. Okay. There are three things that before we even, you know, the style of the way that I I, I teach in general, but certainly the way I teach Pirkei is that, you know, you first look at the Mishnah, you have to analyze, you have to ask questions, and then through the questions, you can come to an understanding of the Mishnah. But there are three things that just jump out at you and the, in the beginning of this Mishnah. The, the first striking feature is, is that we have been learning... For the past weeks, we have been learning the, um, the, these rabbis, kiblu mehem, these rabbis, kiblu mehem, these rabbis, kiblu mehem. Every generation was receiving from the generation before it. And the Mishnah went out of its way. Remember, it started Moshe kibal Torah Misinai, Shulis The whole concept of Misorah, of giving one generation to the next, was critical. And now, all of a sudden, <laughs> Raman Gamliel says, no kiblu mehem. He's not receiving any tradition from anybody before him, it seems. What's going on? Now, as a side question of that, Raman Gamliel was not the next in the, in the, the line of generations. There was actually two sages that were missing that should have sat in between Hill and Shammai and Raman Gamliel. Which is also an, an anomaly. Okay, my second problem. This is the first rabbi we've met. Everybody else, Hillel, Shammai, Shmaya, Avtalion, Yossi ben Yuezer, Yossi ben Yochanan, no rabbis. Now, all of a sudden, the name rabbi comes. What happened? Why are we using now the title rabban? Why are we using the title rabbi? and the third obvious thing is if you remember the introduction that we gave no repetitions in Pirkei Avos. rabbis don't repeat, rabbis teach they're teaching new things that was the subject of a very very important teaching and it's absolutely on its feet. so what in the world does that mean? Why begin with these words Make for yourself a rabbi. I mean, again, it's just a repetition. Okay, my fourth problem the Histalic Minasafik is that a direct result of a or is it a separate teaching? Is this two teachings in the Mishnah, or is it, as Levi pointed out in the very beginning, is this? a third, three teachings what does it mean he's min ha the remove yourself from a suffik just get your sphikas answered if you have a suffic, if you have a doubt if something's not clear then make sure somebody answers it what does it mean he's min ha okay my fifth problem what's wrong with estimations especially if you're estimating up you know, you're taking off Masa, you're taking off tithes, and you give a little more. You're taking off Staka, you're figuring out your 10%, and you give 11%, you give 12%. You're a tzaddik, you're a good person. You know, it's not always so good to be exacting. I think my father and I, my father and I once had a tremendous machlokas. I was um, sent away to yeshiva at, uh, at 16 and a half, graduated high school after 11th grade, and uh, was going to come to Eretz to learn. I chickened out at the last minute, so my father said, you know, he had learned in the yeshiva in Baltimore, and he had said, you know what, you go learn in the yeshiva there also, and uh, for a year, and then you'll go to yeshiva university afterwards, and uh, and fine. That happened never to have happened. I went to yeshiva for a year and ended up staying for six, but be, be that as it may, I, uh, you know, and in yeshiva, I started to pick up from my surroundings all the all the stuff that was going on. There was a it became popular in those days. that on Pesach, they, somebody had printed a what's called a shiurim card. It was a plastic laminated card. Now, this is, this is big. This goes back 40, 40 years. This was a very big deal, 45 years. Somebody printed a, a illuminated card, and the card had a square for the amount of matzah that you needed to eat at the Seder. And then in that square was the amount of maror that you needed to eat and it had you know the exact size seven by six and a quarter and it was the exact size of how much was the the proper shear of a kezayas and you were meant to bring this card to the table and you would put your matzah into it and you would figure out you know play a little puzzle with pieces of matzah and get yourself the right amount the size and the same with the marah now my father came from a Hasidish background now he did learn in in their yisrael he did learn in a yeshiva. But nevertheless, my father originally came from a, um, from a And the, the approach is very different. So I brought out this card, thinking that I was the frumest guy on the block. Whoa! And I've got this card, and boy, we're really going to be able to fulfill the mitzvah exactly the way it's supposed to be filled. And my father's watching me with this card, and he's going ballistic as he's turning colors. My father was an artist. He goes down to the, he was an artist and he worked with wood. He did, he worked with his hands and he had in his basement, he had, uh, you know, tools and, and, and the whole, whole shop down there. So he goes down, he comes up to the Seder. He's fuming and he takes a file, a huge metal wood file, a metal it's a a file. He slams it down on the table and he says, you're going to need this. Your card is square and your matzahs are round, and it was just—it was—it was to him the biggest affront that I would sit and measure a mitzvah. You don't measure a mitzvah; you do a mitzvah. It says eat matzah, so you break off. You make sure you eat a lot of matzah. Don't worry about it. But that's not what the mission is saying. The mission is saying, "Al tarbelasa modos. Don't do things in an estimatory kind of way. Be exacting. What's the value judgment? What's the ethical lesson that the mission is teaching us? Also fascinating is it says, Don't do it too much. What does that mean? A little bit is okay? If I estimate sometimes it's okay, but not all the time? Why write those kind of words? And then my final question, which is the question that we ask all the time when there's a list of things, what's the connective tissue between these three teachings? Okay. Let's do a little review. If you remember, in the first Mishnah, in the introduction to Pirkeavas, we spoke about a concept that Moshe Kibel Torah Sinai. Moshe got the Torah from Sinai, Umasar, the Yeshua, he gave it to Joshua, Joshua gave it to the elders, the elders gave it to the prophets, the prophets gave it to the men of the great assembly, and the men of the great assembly said three things. So we asked a very simple question on that Mishnah. We said, why did the why did we record the sayings of the men of the Great Assembly of the Anchikanesegadola? Why didn't we record the sayings of the rabbis that came before them? Why didn't we record the sayings of the rabbis from the of the of the, of the sages or of the um, of the prophets? The first words that we record were the reward were the words of the Anchakinesola, the men of the Great Assembly and we made a very important distinction, we said that the world changed in the time of the Mentecostal Assembly because prophecy died prophecy was taken away from the Jewish people and once prophecy was taken away and now it was the Anche Knesset meaning specifically as opposed to prophecy so now we were no longer in the world of prophecy in the knowledge of prophecy but we were now in the world of Chachma. We were in the world of wisdom. And in the world of wisdom, that was a different approach. That was a different way of seeing things, of having to use our intellect to be able to understand things as opposed to God dropping information into our heads. The era of prophecy, of Nevuah, was an era with clarity. But now we had to rely on our own clarity and our own understanding. And it was called, it was the the era of Chachman. that was the Antich Nesekadol, the men of great assembly. And we said that any kind of musar, any kind of ethical teaching that would have come in the time of prophecy has nothing to do with us because in the world of chokhmah the world of wisdom it's a totally different approach and that kind of ethical teaching that kind of direction has nothing to do with me the discipline that's needed in the era of prophecy is different than the discipline that is needed in the era of chokhmah the era of wisdom and that's the zugos the pairs the pairs were all during this time of chokhmah And that they used their incredible intellect and their incredible wisdom to be able to pass the Torah on. What they received, they were able to pass on. There was incredible enlightenment, but the enlightenment was not enlightenment of prophecy. It was enlightenment of wisdom, of knowledge, of understanding. And the wisdom and knowledge and understanding was great. There was almost no machlokas. We spoke as we went through the Mishnayas that machlokas started to arise. There was one machlokas, one difference of opinion, one difference of opinion in the rabbis in this period of time as to whether you do smicha, put your hands on the head of the animal and push down. It's a way of offering a sacrifice of whether that could be done on the, on Shabbos and the holidays. And that was the one subject of machlokas. And then in Hill and Shammai's time, there was a machlokas. There were three machlokas in, a few more. But then came the time of the students of Hillel and Shammai of base Hillel and Beis Shammai and Rabu Machleikis be now there was an incredible amount of Machleikis and Machleikis here does not mean whenever we use the word Machleikis we tend to think that people are at each other's throats and that's not the Machleikis it was a civil Machleikis but it was a Machleikis nevertheless but how does the Gemara characterize that Machlechus? Kiloy state that there was like two Torahs. There was two completely different ways of following Torah, of living Torah, of carrying Torah out. And the Talmud gives a reason. The Talmud says the reason is, that they did not serve their teachers to their fullest ability. What does that mean? Rashi and other commentaries explained that what happened was, is that either they themselves didn't put their all into their studies, or they didn't attend to their teachers. They learned the information, but they didn't internalize all of the lessons. And because of that, there was an incredible change that took place in the Jewish people. Because of the lack of clarity, we were living now in a world of dissension, a world of confusion. We were living in a world where it was no longer just the passage from one generation to the other, it was no longer about being a tsinor, being a pipeline Shmai <speaking> and in a pipeline to the next generation, Rabbi Yozim and Yoezer and Yozim and pipelines to the next generation. Each one was just merely a pipeline. Torah coming down in a pipeline but that pipeline closed and it wasn't about a clarity anymore. Now you had to choose sides. Now in every issue there was a machlokas, in every issue there were two opinions, there was Shameh, there was Hillel, there were, there were different rabbis, there were different opinions, there were different approaches. And because of the different approaches, now you had to make a choice. There was a way of following the halacha, and there was a way not to follow the halacha. Both of these and those are the words of the living God, but nevertheless, this is the way we follow it. This is the rejected opinion. This is not the way we follow it. Practically, we need to follow one way. But to be able to do that, you had to be able to prove yourself, you have to be able to look at it and to say okay, this is the reason why we're going to follow the halacha this way logic dictates that this is the way the halacha is going to be the precedent dictates that this is what the halacha is you're going to have to use a tremendous amount of background a tremendous amount of understanding, of knowledge now it's no longer that you're just a sinor, that you just happen to be a person who is a pipeline now you have to prove to me that you're a rav that you're a teacher that you're a guide, that you're somebody who is who has taken all the opinions and understood all the opinions. Now you're going to have to, you're going to have to prove that intellect. And that's why in this generation, there needed to be. A, it needed to be called rav. It was no longer just shmaya and of It was no longer just shamay and Hillel. Now it was rabbon gamliel because of this concept called hiskano Adoros I want to stop here for a second Hiskano Adoros means that generations diminished over time critical concept for us to understand that the world continues to diminish and the further away we are from Mount Sinai the further away we are from the, the Beis HaMikdash from the temple then the smaller each generation comes Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky was once sitting on an airplane with a member of Knesset an older gentleman they happened to both be flying to New York Rubyakov Yaakov was flying with one of his grandchildren the whole flight his grandchild was doting over the grandparent and saying Zayda can I get you this? Zayda can I get you this? at the end of the flight this member of Knesset looks at Rabbi Yaakov and says to him that is unbelievable how, how does that happen by you? that your grandchild takes care of you in such an incredible way my grandchildren I'm as important to them as the gifts that I give them how is it that your grandchild is sitting there so worried about you taking such good care of you Sir so Yaakov, who was not a biting person was, was a person was the, the most loving human being he had a hajjus Panam, he had a, a face that was like an angel Yaakov turned to him and said it's very very simple he said you believe in evolution we believe in Tarim Sinai. In evolution, your grandchildren look at you and they say they have evolved further than you. They're one generation better than you along the chain of evolution. My grandchildren look at me and they say I'm one generation closer to Maimed Har Sinai, to the standing at the foot of Mount Sinai and to the base of Mikdash and to the temple. And that's why they venerate me, because they look backwards and they say, I'm connected closer back to the past. Your children look at you and say, we're more developed into the future. By us, looking backwards is a critical thing. Saying connected to Maimed Harsinai is something very, very critical. The event at Sinai was the seminal event that shaped the Jewish people. The closer we are to that event, the greater we are. And as the generations go, the generations diminish. Now, the problem with Hiskat Adoros* Doros is that you could say, well, if the generations diminish, that means that the rabbis of this generation are on a much lower level than the rabbis of previous generations. And therefore, why would I need to venerate them? Because they're, they're much lower. Every generation that we go, we get lower and lower and weaker and weaker and weaker. And we say that the rabbis of this generation would have been like the water drawers of, of previous generations. In other words, in previous generations, even the, the water drawer, even the, the axeman, was somebody who was, was knowledgeable in Torah. And today, the knowledge of Torah is on such a lower level. So then when we look at it and say, well, if that's the case, I don't need to respect the rabbis of this generation. Understand that if the rabbis are on a lower generation then the students are also on a lower generation Hiskad no adoros is that the entire the entire relationship between student and teacher that whole package gets lower and lower there's a relationship between them let's call it 10 degrees between student and teacher and that 10 degrees remains constant it's always 10 degrees it's just that the whole system of it becomes lower and lower and lower and lower but our teachers are still our teachers our teachers are still closer to Sané our teachers are still the ones that no more than we do. But nevertheless, the whole system is, is, is diminishing. The whole system is going downwards. That's why we pine away for the mikdash That's why we pine away back for the temple, not only because it is going to reunite the Jews in Israel and all of those amazing ideas, but because it's going to bring us back to the place where our teachers become elevated, and we ourselves, the students, also become elevated It's going to lift up the entire existence of the world But that's the change that took place in the the students of Hill and Shammai It was not apparent in the first generation after Rabbi Yochanan Ben Zakkai It was not apparent in Rabbi Loza ben Azariah but it was apparent in Rabbi Gamliel's generation. And that's why Rabbi Nasi, Nossi, when he set up the Mishnayos in Pirkei Avos, he put Rabbi Gamliel next. Because it was in Robin Gamliel's generation that there was no Kabbalah anymore. In Robin Gamliel's generation, they weren't receiving anymore from Hillel and Shammai. They weren't receiving anymore from the previous generations. Now they were having to make definitive decisions. We're following Hillel. We're following one pathway. And I had to prove it. I had to make it understandable to you. I had to, I had to justify why I chose that way. Not in a bad way. Not in a bad way, but I had to justify it. And therefore I needed to have the authority of rabbi. I needed to be called rabban, rav, rebbe. Beautiful. An incredibly important understanding of the, those first three question, first two questions of why Rabban Gamliel and why it doesn't say kibamehem. mehem. Beautiful. But now we have to explain the Mishnah See up until now The Mishnayos were dealing with Unity And integrity of the individual Antignosis Socho Talked about the unifying a person With love and fear in one person The Yossis They talked about the unity in the house And the family members Poor people should be members of your household Treat your wife in a certain way and then Yeshua ben Prachyon, Mita, and Bailey talked about rabbis, friends, neighbors. Shmai and Aftalyon talked about relating to leadership. Hill and Shammai talked about bringing the whole world together. Oev Shalom, Rodev Shalom. And then confusion hits the world. Now nothing is as clear as it was. Confusion reigns Nothing is integrated There are so many different opinions, so many different things, everything seems cogent, everything seems good It's not like in just in the time of the Tzdukem of the Sadducees where things were clouded because the Sadducees were trying to schlep away Now even in the world of Torah, without the Sadducees, just in the world of Torah, there was so much confusion And Raman Gamliel turns to a generation that has a lack of clarity And he turns to that generation and he says to them That there is a lack of clarity in three areas of your existence In your seichel, In your intel- spiritual and intellectual being In your yidia, In your knowledge and in your maizah, in your actions, in your proper behavior. And it was to those three things that Raman Gamliel turned and he said, we need to combat the sofeq, the doubt. Combat the doubt in your seichel. Combat the doubt in your intellectual and spiritual existence by make yourself a rabbi and learn how to think. It's not the same aselich rav that was in the time of chachma, of wisdom, where you have to make yourself a rabbi, a guide, a spiritual guide. Here, it's a rav. You need to learn how to think. You need to learn how to look at many things in front of you and how to discern what's the truth, what's not the truth. And then... You have a suffix, a doubt in your deal. There are things you just simply don't know. You know, sometimes when you say, I don't know, it's because you don't know which way to go, right or left. But sometimes you say, I don't know because you just don't know. I don't know. I don't have the information. So comes along Raman Gamlil and he says, He's stalik mina suffolk. Gain knowledge so that you remove yourself from doubt, so things are not murky. You know why we have a lot of shilas? A lot of times we have questions because we simply don't know. It's not that we don't know which way to turn, but we just don't know. We don't have the information available. And that's why we live sometimes confused, murky. So says Raman Gamaliel the generation stop being confused, get the info he says to them that in this third area of Misa of action don't don't live with in the ballpark live precisely you know a lot of times people are satisfied when they do mitzvahs in the ballpark yeah, in the ballpark you know it's sort of like a shabbos, you know, it's it's sort of kosher it's so, like, you know, it's in the ballpark. It's, it's there. It's, it's basically davening. It's, you know, it's basically, okay, I'm not, I'm not so careful with Lashonor, but I'm, I'm careful. I mean, I think about Lashonor. I mean, I'm, I'm there. Like, I'm in the ballpark. In the ballpark is great. But that's not the way we serve Hashem. It's the way we're able to check things off in a checklist. Did you do this today? Check. Did you do this today? Check. But all that does is allow us to check it off it doesn't allow us to say 100%. It doesn't allow us to say, yes, we did it exactly the way it's supposed to be done. For that, we require precision. And that's what Ramagam Gamliel says to his generation. Look, there are certain things where you're going to be in the ballpark and you're not going to be precise. But don't do that too much. Don't do that too often. There are a few things every once in a while. You know, we're human beings. It's going to happen. But that can't be the way, the direction that you live. The direction you live has to be precise. We have to be exacting. Halacha is not, you know, it wasn't that God stood on the Mount Sinai and said 10 suggestions to the Jewish people. You know, if you don't have anything better to do, uh, would you maybe consider a Shabbos thing? Maybe you'd consider being nice to your parents. There wasn't a suggestion. They were precise and exact. You know, I remember as a kid, we built transistor radios. You know, you buy a kit and you build a transistor radio and you, have, you had a solder on the back of the board, hundreds of wires and little transistors and little things. It was such a geschmacka thing. And it was, it was so enjoyable and then you would finish it. You'd get the battery and you put the battery in, you turn it on. And it was total silence, no sound. And you had to go back and you had to look at every connection. And then you saw that when you soldered it and the soldering, when you used the solder iron, it was the coolest thing, but, but, but you realized, oh, I didn't put enough solder on it. The connection is not really there. And when the connection is not there, it doesn't work because you can't, if you're missing one small connection, the entire thing doesn't work. We, we see that in computers. It's exactly the same thing when it comes to mitzvahs. All the details of a mitzvah are there to make the mitzvah work, to make the mitzvah do something for us. If one small thing is missing, the entire thing is gone. That's what he's saying. Al You can't do this too often. You can't live a Jewish life if it's not precise. Look, you can have edges that are not precise. You can have edges that are not careful, but you can't have a structure where you're missing pieces in the structure, even if they're tiny, minute little pieces And that's who Eben Gamaliel was talking to. This is not a repetition. This is talking to a new generation, a generation of confusion that needs to live with clarity. Aselucha Rav, learn how to think. Histolic minhasufik, gain knowledge so you remove yourself from doubt. Vial tarbal asari live precisely. Beautiful. Now, I know that there's a lot to talk about in this Mishnah. The, the, this would have been a good hour one. Um, tomorrow, I'm, I'm going to open with questions tomorrow. I, I, I'm sticking around for a couple of minutes now, also. you can ask me questions. But, but tomorrow, I would love to, to, for anyone to ask questions on this, because I think I presented today some, some, some major points um, that, that uh, I'm, I'm sure will, uh, will, will generate some questions. Okay, um, tomorrow morning same bad time same bad channel and um, tomorrow the, the Mishnah is a f- is an incredibly phenomenal important Mishnah I'm hoping I could do it in one shot um, but it's a Mishnah on silence on, on silence being the best thing for a human being um, we we'll, we'll, we have to develop it but but that silence is sometimes the best a difficult thing to say to a rabbi and a teacher. But nevertheless, silence is really the, is really the best way for prison to exist in this world. Okay, we'll see that tomorrow.